Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com and is associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Araminta Show. Fresh out the box. Stop. Look and watch. Ready yet? Get set. It's all that. to this week's episode of Casual Chats. I am Patricia, and I am here with a couple of special guests. Uh, for the new people, we have none other than the cartoon hero himself, or the hero of tomorrow over at Manic Expression. Uh, we have Eli. Welcome aboard, Eli. What's up? And uh, we have the co-founder of For Entertainment's Sake. You may know him as Rugrat or John. Welcome, John. Hello. And last but certainly not least, you may know him from the Naughty Dog podcast and the um, Christmas podcast that was done last year. He is comic book cast member and PlayStation member Tristan. Welcome back, Tristan. Hi, guys. So today we're going to be discussing about all that in honor of its 20th anniversary. On April 16, 1994, the pilot of all that featured on TV, but it didn't become a full-fledged TV series until Christmas Eve of the same year. So yeah, um, a little history behind all that. It was created by Mike Tomlin and Brian Robbins. They wanted to do their kind of variation of Saturday Night Live for children, and they wanted to pitch it over to various channels, and eventually Nickelodeon picked it up after um, a short while after or before the cancellation of the other sketch comedy show that was airing, Roundhouse. So uh, before we discuss about all that, uh, let's talk about how we first got introduced to it. So let's start off with our special guests. Eli, how did you first get introduced to all that? Well, for me, it started out with watching it on SNCC pretty much every time I could get a chance to. Snick had a lot of great shows, as I'm sure you've mentioned on your show, but all that, for me, was the show that kept me coming back, actually, believe it or not. It had a lot of great sketches that I kept up with over the years, and even as it started to wind down in its later years, it was still pretty funny to me, even if, for some reason, I never actually watched when the musical guests were on. But, the, but that's about it. That's really the only thing I remember disliking about it. For me... All that was my show as a kid. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of people in the 90s, all that was their version of Saturday Night Live or In Living Color. While Roundhouse had a few fans, it didn't really grasp into the mainstream audience, um, which I've already discussed about so many times that it's already come up to the point of being controversial, so I won't discuss about it. But in a sense, it was like the you can't do that on television of our generation, in which it involved with a bunch of kids doing various skits. All right, uh, John, how about you? How did you first get introduced to all that? I got introduced to all that when I was a wee lad, when I was, um, you know, a wee a lad. Wee lad. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nickelodeon was really the only channel I really knew about when I was a kid, because we had like six channels, and uh, it was the most entertaining show that 
I came across and I too was just always drawn to it and uh, didn't really care for the musical guests either. I would always be like, okay, <laughs> what's on next now? And I remember like the big orange couch was a big part of like the whole snake lineup and it was just a big lure and it really, um, the humor was a big part of what made me who I am today. And so I owe a lot to all that. Awesome. Uh, how about you, Tristan? Uh, it was actually Snick that actually let me watch, you know, all that and watching it with my parents because it was actually funny to them too. And I remember watching it every time I got the chance whenever Snick came on because I didn't have Cartoon Network because back then I think it was uh, an extra channel that we couldn't afford at the time. Mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, as for me, I saw all that pretty much throughout the beginning. 94, um, I remember it coming on, and I was really gravitated towards it. I remember the various skits that perf that were performed. I remember some of the cast members. I didn't really pay too much attention to the musical guests either, except for a few exceptions, but um, I didn't really care for m too much for it either. But I can understand for um, most people, they didn't really care too much about it either. They just liked it for the, the skits and for the performances. I guess for the teenagers who were really into hip-hop and rap at the time, uh, that was probably their thing. But uh, I guess for the kids, they didn't really care too much about it. They were just a bunch of people that we mostly didn't know about or we didn't care about the genre. But right now, let's get into discussing about seasons one through six. Many people's opinion on the golden era. Now, did anybody see the pilot of all that right before they started watching the series? No. Okay. I watched it after I watched the first season. Okay. And how about you, Eli? Did you check out the pilot? I don't really remember back that far, but I think I started tuning in close to the original run of the show. Okay. Well, if you haven't checked out the pilot yet, it's on YouTube, and it's surprisingly a Similar, but at the same time, there have been a lot of differences. Like, there have been a few skits that were never included in the in the final run, which there was this one skit that involved with Annie, um, as in, like, the little orphan Annie, and singing, and a lot of bad things happened to her from uh, the, the, the ceiling falling down to her exploding randomly to a bunch of secret agents just kidnapping her for no reason. And then there was this one skit that was called Lucky Cheese, which was obviously a parody of Chuck E. Cheese, and uh, one of the cast members, um, I believe it was Katrina Johnson, was supposed to be like this guard preventing people from going in. And then there was like this sort of MTV skit of interviewing like celebrities or hip hop artists. And one of them turned out to be a frog performed by Kenan Thompson. And then, of course, we had like the interstitial skit um, involved with celebrities that would kind of like do cutouts every time that a skit would be going through. One was Sinbad, the other one was Joey Lawrence, and then there was a couple of other celebrities in there. And, of course, that was cut out from the final project, which I can understand why. But other than that, with the exception of the cast members looking a lot younger than the first season would show off um, later, it was pretty much the same thing. Seasons 1 through 6, a lot of the major cast members that people pretty much remember were featured. We had, of course, Kenan Thompson, Kel Mitchell, Angelique Bates... Alicia Reyes, we had um, Katrina Johnson, as previously mentioned, Josh Server, um, and of course we had Amanda Bynes, Mark Saul, Gabriel Iglesias, Leon Frierson, uh, so many people there, and of course we had the infamous skits like Good Burger, Loud Librarian, we had Bag and Sag and Barry, there was Island Girls, there were so many skits, and I guess we'll just go around the table and discuss about you know, who our favorite cast members are and who our fa uh, what our favorite skits are. So, um, Eli, why don't you go first? 
<laughs> well, I know it's kind of obvious, but believe it or not, one of my favorite skits was Super Dude, even though it pretty much had the same premise every time, but I think it was really Kenan's comedic talent that made it work. And usually, I think I remember Kel played a lot of the villains in that sketch for some reason. Well, <laughs> Kel actually played two characters. He played Butter Boy, which only featured like once or twice, and he played another character called Yo Girl. The most recurring villain in Super Dude was Milkman, performed by Josh Server. Yeah, him too. But I think he also played Cowboy once. Yeah, he also played Cowboy as well. <laughs> and... <laughs> Just bursting into the room and going, I am super dude. I will, I will defend you all. But he was like, and I also like to cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> and I like pretty ponies and I like poetry and bubble baths. <laughs> That's like Batman going around as like, I am the Dark Avenger. But I also like to draw pretty ponies. <laughs> I don't care if it's all, I don't care if it's Superman and all his friends on magical ponies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only if if all that were to come out today and they re rebranded Super Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we can mix in a little bit of MLP in there. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other skits that you remember? Well, I had a lot of them prepared, but I can't think of that many recurring sketches. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Vital Information. That was pretty funny. <laughs> oh yes, Vital Information for your everyday life, in which. Um, there were three people who did Vital Information. There was Lori Beth Denberg, there was Danny Temporelli, and then there was little JJ. Basically, it was the same premise in which they give you, like, weird information for your everyday life, even though most of it didn't really make sense. Uh, some of it includes, um, if your friend Billy was on the roof and you pushed him, don't go like, Hey, everybody, it's raining Billy! Or something like, Oh, Macarena, Macarena, Macarena. Oh, how I hate the Macarena. Nothing I can think of off the top of my head. I can think of a lot of one-shot sketches that I liked. Okay. Uh, who were your favorite cast members? Well, I liked Josh and Kenan and, believe it or not, Jack DeSena, who would later go on to play Sokka, which I thought was pretty awesome. Of course, there's Kel, obviously. Mm -hmm. And Danny Tamborelli, he was hilarious. And... And Lori Beth could be good most of the time, but we'll get to that. And uh, yeah, I had a lot of cast members that I liked. Okay. All right. Uh, that sounds great. Let's go on to somebody else. Uh, how about you, John? Who, who, what were your favorite skits, and who were your favorite cast members? I think my favorite cast member has to be Lori Beth Denberg. Um, my favorite skits of hers, uh, I'd say Miss Fingerly, The Loud Librarian, was always really funny to me. Um, Vital information, I always thought it was just okay as a kid, but, you know, as you get older, you find it more funny, because it's just random. Mm -hmm. And I think she was involved in possibly the most underrated romance of all time, her and the Big Ear of Corn. Oh, yes, the Big Ear of Corn. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the Big Ear of Corn actually debuted in season two. The most recurring, um, kind of like one-off uh, skit that they always used in season one was a cow, an, an actual cow, believe it or not, and... I guess they got rid of it for, I don't know, maybe for animal rights reasons. And then eventually they started using the big ear of corn. Uh, damn you, PETA! <laughs> damn you, PETA! <laughs> All right, and um, any other skits that you liked, or cast members, John? Um, yeah, Kel, uh, Josh was funny as Detective Dan. He was always one of my favorites. He'd just pop up. I remember one skip specifically when Amanda Bynes was walking down the stairs for a glass of milk. 
at nighttime, and she went to her fridge, and she opened it up, and uh, Detective Dan was sitting there. Just, I'm Detective Dan. <laughs> Just randomly in her refrigerator at night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Detective Dan was a big favorite of mine. Uh, Super Dude is good. Just, there's a lot of it. I like a lot of it. Okay. Uh, how about you, Tristan? Uh, favorite sketch would actually have to be Good Burger. Ah. With uh, with uh, Cal as Ed, because it, believe it or not, it's not it's not so much about the the sketches that pertain around to Good Burger. It was just those the sketches where he would uh, the customers would, would order whatever they whatever they wanted, but the actual the actual price was about two fifty. Ask him, give me eight dollars. <laughs> and he would always get the orders wrong, and he would yeah. always be delusional to what's going on. In some ways, I feel that Good Burger is kind of like the 90s equivalent of Barth's Burgery that was featured in You Can't Do That on television. Except that the difference is is that instead of an incompetent um, cashier, you had somebody who was completely dirty and the whole place was dirty. So, um, anybody else, Tristan? Um, another one would be uh, Everyday French. Oh, Pierre Escargot, yeah. That's funny, because like, I think one of, the, one of the ones that that was funny to me was I think it was uh, when he said in French, "Can I borrow your brother's pr- pretty brazier?" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I take it that uh, it was a very clever way of saying brazier without actually saying the acronym, which is bra. In fact, they said brazier multiple yeah. times in all that. Yeah, it is for like my uh, favorite cast members. I- Usually, like, Kenan and Kel and Danny were, like, my favorite ones to actually watch most of the time. Okay. Kind of hilarious that you would mention that, because in, I remember in one of the very last episodes, a character actually got turned into a bra. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You did turn into so I guess it's logical progression there. <laughs> yeah. Mentioning brassiers to um, one of the adult cast members walking around with a brassiere. I think Josh also wore a brassiere one time, and then there was, um, and then finally you turn into one. Um, as for my favorite uh, skits and cast members, oh, there's a ton. Um, obviously, one of my favorite skits uh, that most people don't really talk about, but it's always been one of my favorites and I find to be really underrated, is the Lemonade Scammer. Um, yeah. And the Lemonade Scammer, who was performed by Katrina Johnson, she would serve lemonade and, uh, you know, uh, give outrageous prices to all the customers, and she would try to scam people into drinking her lemonade, whether it's from uh, putting spices on peanuts or je- um, peanut butter-filled donuts or, or maybe the most popular one is blackmailing and begging by crying. And, you know, eventually, you know, she would pour the lemonade, and then there would be something wrong with the lemonade. Oh, like, oh, the lemonade's too hot, or it doesn't have sugar. And then she would say, oh, okay, you want lemonade with ice and sugar? Well, that'll be $300. And everybody would be like, what? I'm not going to pay $300. And then she'd be, like, crying. It's like, if my, if I don't get, if my mommy said, if I don't get $300, she's going to stuff hamsters down my pants. I'm like, What? It's like, this is cruel and insane, but at the same time, it's really hilarious. And it's a shame that I don't really hear too much people talk about it. Um, another one of my favorite skits is uh, The Island Girls, performed by Alicia Reyes and Lori Beth. I kind of find it hilarious about that it's kind of like the equivalent of Gilligan's Island, except even more insane. 
like, instead of, you know, building a whole bunch of contraptions to get themselves off of the island, it's just, you have Kiki, who's, like, the crazy one, and Fran, who just wants to get out of there and doesn't want anything to do with Kiki. They end up with, um, Coast Guards coming by, or Kiki's sister coming by, or aliens coming by, and then at the end, they never get off the island. I think one of the last ones of the Island Girls, right before Alicia Reyes uh, was gone in season, f um, four... Uh, they ended up going to the moon, and then they ended up being stuck at the moon forever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. Good Burger's an obvious one. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there was Vital Information and, uh, and Super Dude. Um, my favorite cast members from the original run, uh, Katrina, I like uh, Amanda Bynes uh, with Ask Ashley. Um, Keenan and Kel, obviously. Lori Beth Denberg, to an extent, because I'm just going to be quite honest, I cannot stand a loud librarian. I have Asperger's Syndrome, and every time she yells or every time there's a loud noise going on, I get a splitting headache. Or um, I just get a huge migraine that I really can't stand it, so I end up just skipping the thing and watching something else. Mm. Yeah. So, controversy. I know. But then again, <laughs> I'm pretty much known for controversy. This is the same person who said that I hated Roundhouse. But yeah, I mean, I pretty much know a little bit about controversy, so don't you worry. It's all good. Yeah. At least you're understandable about it as, as opposed to just posting on a, a fan p Facebook page saying of how much I'm an idiot, so thanks for that. <laughs> so does that mean you don't like uh, Crazy Steve? Oh, Crazy Steve from Drake and Josh? Um, yeah. It's like the same kind of character. Well, um, he doesn't yell. I mean, he does yell, but at least he doesn't, like, bang um, gongs or turn on lawnmowers or um, blow whistles. He doesn't do that. I mean, as long as it's not constant in your face. And Crazy Steve's not a major character anyway, so, I mean, it's... I mean, I can tolerate it just fine, but it's not my favorite. Okay. Anyway, so, um, when discussing about all that, and uh, we just mentioned before about how we weren't really too crazy about the performances, um, I guess we can continue on about how we feel about the progression of all that from season to season. Like, when I started rewatching it again, I felt that the first three seasons started going really well. And then, around season four, it started taking a bit of a, you know, different direction, and then seasons five through six, it kind of grew stale. Um, I think that there were some cast members that were included in that, to be quite honest, they didn't hit their stride just yet. Like, um, Gabriel Iglesias, who I found to be really hilarious, uh, he didn't hit his full potential until maybe much later on in his career. Like, if you ever see him perform on stand-up or on any of uh, the TV shows that he's been performing in, he does okay. I mean, he does, like, hilarious performances as females and stuff like that, but... And then, of course, there's Nick Cannon, and I'm just going to flat out say, I'm not a big fan of Nick Cannon, never was. Even when he had his own TV show, the Nick Cannon show on Nickelodeon, and when he went off and did his other stuff, I've never really been a big fan. Yeah, I agree with you. I never was that much of a fan of Nick Cannon either. But the thing is, though, a, lot, a couple of the cast members had enough charisma to carry their own shows, like uh, Cannon and Kel, which was I maintain was still a great show, and... Uh, the Amanda show was great for a while until Amanda went, but... <laughs> yeah, until but. she went, cuckoo. <laughs> she checked her brain out the door a long time ago, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, and 
funny thing is, some of the sh- some of the sketches from all that in the Amanda show kind of blend together in my head because I watch them at the same time, and uh, it uh, it's funny though because I remember all that had did all that do fake commercials like the Amanda show did. They did, did one. They, just, they did one yeah. fake commercial. The yeah. only fake commercial that they've ever done was on season one, and it involved with edible school supplies. Like, oh, yeah. ed- like there right. was, um, you know, the edible binders, the edible erasers, the edible rulers. I think that's the only fake commercial that they've ever done. I don't think they've done any other fake commercials since then. Okay. And, but I do remember in the later seasons of all that, around its final season, it started to get a lot louder, a lot, so a lot of the sketches got a lot more fast paced and it started to rely a little bit more than it had before on, on gross out, on gross out humor on occasion. <laughs> Which is kind of weird, considering the fact that the early 90s were all about the gross-out and the late 90s were all about the slice-of-life programs. Exactly! So, it's kind of like a reverse. You see, around this time, Dan Schneider left all that to pursue in The Amanda Show, and he became an executive producer for Keenan and Kel. And as for the major writers, well, uh, Kevin Coppolo and Heath Seibert, who are writing partners, and a lot of you people who may remember Kevin from the stage manager, who would always say, five minutes, the show starts in five minutes. He loved around from season seven onward, but I think he became less involved with the writing around the later seasons. Yeah, it became a little bit odd. I think that the, um, the skits in the later seasons started becoming a little bit more repetitive. In the earlier seasons, they mixed it up a little bit by throwing in a couple of one-off skits, and then the popular skits would come in every couple of episodes. But in this case, uh, there were a couple of strange ones that kind of repeated itself, like... In the first season, you had Dr. K, who gave off advice, and he would always give off the weird advice, and then it was moved over to Ask Ashley. And then, of course, we had um, various amounts of other police skits, like there was Cheese Police, and then we had Detective Dan. So it kind of just blended over, and in my opinion, um, Good Burger, and then eventually you had the convenience store, in which it was like sassy ladies, and they run the convenience store in a poor job. And I think that was kind of like a replacement for that. So it kind of just like was a rehash of various skits. And um, I think a lot, since a lot of the cast members left around seasons uh, five and six, uh, you had Lori Beth who left around season five because she was getting too old. And then you had Keenan and Kel who left around season five because they went off to do Keenan and Kel. Um, then, of course, some of the other cast members like Alicia, you had um, Katrina and Angelique who left due to contract reasons, and then Amanda left for The Amanda Show. So season six was kind of like a point in which people just became less interested, especially since Josh was the last cast member from the original run who stuck all the way through. And Where did everybody go? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. So yeah, um, at that point, since I think that the the kids who grew up during the early 90s were getting a little older themselves, they moved on to other um, networks, uh, you know, MTV, uh, Comedy Central, VH1. It started to change a lot for the, um, the crowd who grew up during the 90s, and um, I guess that's why, you know, for some people, they don't really remember the later runs. I remember a few of them. Like, like I said, it definitely got a lot more manic, and it was pretty evident that from that that one of the sketches was straight up sugar and coffee. Oh yeah, the, the revival era. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, go ahead, John. I always thought Mark Saul was a very underrated cast member. 
Oh yeah, Mark Saul. Yeah, I think he was good, uh, underrated too. Uh, another underrated cast member, in my opinion, was also Leon Frearson, who did um, that really weird skit, Leroy and Fuzz. It was, it was kind of like a parody of Sesame Street, in which you have the happy-go-lucky puppet, and then you have uh, Leroy, who's like the bad kid who doesn't even care and abuses yeah. the puppet. <laughs> that's not a toothbrush, it. that's a sander! <laughs> he shoves it down his throat. Yeah. And <laughs> mm. <laughs> hurt the puppet. <laughs> Alright. No puppets were harmed in the making of this skit. Oh yeah, yes they were. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, while some people do remember a handful of skits here and there, I think that, you know, the audience was already starting to grow a little bit weary on all that because it ran for so long. And, you know, when things lo run for so long, it starts becoming a little bit tired and stale. And, you know... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, yes. I know all about that. Yeah. <sighs> anyway... So, well, I guess right before we go on to the revival era, should we briefly discuss about the Good Burger movie? Because that was the only skit from all that that was made into to a theatrical film. Yeah, I think so. All right, um, who wants to start with that? I mean, like, it's, it's, it was, it's a good movie for what it was, because I remember seeing it very young, because, my, my, like I said, my parents would watch the, you know, all that with me, and... When they announced that you know Good Burger is going to be a movie, they you know they took me into it. It's a, a, a simplistic plot about you know Good Burger having uh, Ed use the secret sauce, and that what was the what was the rival um, Mondo Burger. Mondo Burger. Mondo Burger wanted Ed's secret, Ed's secret sauce because they couldn't replicate the you know the recipe, and it was just this big adventure of you know friend versus friend, and you know in the end friendship wins because you know. Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how kid movies are. True. I remember as a kid, I was really creeped out by the opening bit where, uh, because if you recall, at the beginning of the movie, uh, Ed, when trying to get to his job, he, accident, he accidentally runs through a basketball court while holding a baby, and eventually the baby gets switched with the basketball and gets dunked. So, <laughs> I always wonder. Why laugh? I was thinking, my God, that baby probably got hurt really bad as a kid. But obviously, I, I know it didn't happen now, but as a kid, that's what I thought. So. I always thought that scene was really funny because it's like, how would you not know it's a baby that you're throwing <laughs> in the basketball hoop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Everyone seems to think it was funny but me. I guess I just have a weird sense of humor. <laughs> I think uh, uh, with the Good Burger movie, I think that... It's kind of like what Space Jam is for a lot of people. It's a guilty pleasure. In my opinion, it does have a lot of funny moments, but I feel that there are some moments in the movie that are kind of pointless. Like, for example, uh, you have Keenan's girlfriend, who's played by Shay Jackson. It really pretty much doesn't go anywhere, despite the fact that it took a lot of time in the movie. And... Uh, let's see, there was also, a lot of the the celebrity cameos just didn't really make a lot of sense. Like, of course, the nostalgia critic always made fun of Abe Bogota, but he never mentioned Carmen Electra. I think I broke my ass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, you're the nicest, prettiest psychopath I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, despite that quote-unquote love interest didn't go anywhere, that was actually a pretty hilarious part in the movie. I guess that's what makes a lot of people really like Good Burger because of the dynamics of Keenan and Kel, obviously. 
In my opinion, I felt like there should have been more cast members from all that who would have done cameos. I mean, we only had Keenan, Kel, Josh, and we had Lori Beth. It would have been nice if we had more people mixed in, but I guess, you know, maybe they wanted to, you know, just keep the popular ones and then, I don't know, just discard the others. I don't know. But it would have been nice if maybe we would have seen more cameo appearances. Like, Angelique Bass was featured in Good Burger multiple times, and so was Katrina Johnson. I mean, you know, and then... There was Josh Server who played like this grumpy Jewish guy. It would have been nice to see that as well. And, and maybe a cameo from Lester Oaks Construction Worker would have been nice, but I guess that would have been really weird. Um, what about your guys' opinion on Sinbad as the teacher? Uh, honestly, I barely remember him. Yeah. I know that Sinbad also played as Ishbu's father and all that, but, you know, to be quite honest, I couldn't really care less. It's really kind of sad that I remember Sinbad more in Jingle All the Way than I remember him in Good Burger. Oh, <laughs> oh man. You know, it's kind of funny. I saw Sinbad perform live when I was in Hollywood, and... He was making a whole bunch of jokes about, uh, you know, the time that he was going bankrupt in his career, and then he decided to go back to uh, stand-up so he can start making money again and become more prominent. And, oh man, I don't know whether he was actually joking on that part or whether he was telling the truth, but in a way that was kind of sad. It's a good yeah. thing that I saw Gabriel Iglesias perform uh, at the same theater like two months later, and I pretty much forgot the whole thing. But yeah, um, Good Burger the movie, overall, um, when I first reviewed it, I was a bit harsh on it because I felt like there was just, I mean, there was no, no reason to go back to it except nostalgia, but rewatching it again, it's okay. I mean, it did have some really fun moments, and there are some moments in which I do feel is a bit pointless, but other than that, I guess, you know, it's like I said before, it's a guilty pleasure, so take it for what it is. Alright, so I guess we can talk about the more controversial thing about all that. The Revival Era. Season 7 through 10. And oh man, I can tell you that when re-looking through all the comments on this particular run, everybody hates it. And to be quite honest, I can understand why, but in my, I think it's really underrated. In fact, I, I listed that as the top 10 Nickelodeon shows that deserve less hate and more love. Especially with Season 7. Seasons 8 through 10 I'll discuss more about later. So, what are your guys' opinions on Season 7 through 10? What are your favorite skits? And who are your favorite cast members? I would say my favorite cast member is Lisa Foyles. And uh, my favorite skit is with her... Uh, don't know the exact name of the skit, but it's where they have a sleepover. Oh, yeah. And she's that it, gothic girl. Yeah, it's called Bridget's Slumber Party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah kind of like, was... like the new Ask Ashley. <laughs> In a way, it kind of was, except that it didn't involve with uh, letters. It just had a big slumber party, and you have uh, Bridget, who's, like, all happy, and you have the other girl played by Giovanni Samuels, who was also happy. Then you have br uh, the other girl, uh, I think her name was Claudia, played by Lisa yeah. Foyles, who's always, like, depressed. She talks a little bit like Daria. All s just monotone, and just... And then you have, party like... At, party at Carrie's house. <laughs> <laughs> And then you have, uh, you know, once in a while you have the little brother played by Kyle Sullivan, who's always annoying. Uh, how about you, Eli? What are your favorite skits from the revival era? I have to say, I'm I'm still kind of a kind of a pretty big fan of Randy Quench Volunteer Fireman. Ah, uh, yes. In my opinion, that's actually yeah, that's a really good one. It's kind of like a mixture between Repairman and Fat Cop, in which you know he just crashes in, tries to repair things or take off <laughs> fires, and it just messes up. 
Yeah, volunteer fireman. <laughs> because I'm important. <laughs> and, and uh, and I also kind of have a soft spot for the Harry Bladder sketches. Oh, oh yes. The Harry Bladder sketches, when Harry Potter was popular. That was when the movie started coming out around the same time, and uh, it's kind of funny about how that became, like, a really big recurring skit. And interestingly enough, I mean, you know, not a lot of movies and TV shows were, you know, referenced a lot in the early runs of all that, maybe with the exception of Okra, you know, obviously, and uh, Oprah Winfrey, and then you had Ear Boy, which is... It had a character appearance of Ross Perot, which I doubt kids today would even know who Ross Perot is. Yeah, that that was actually a uh, you know Randy Quinch firefighter volunteer firefighter was actually a really good one. Just just how manic and you know try, trying to be helpful he was, even though he pretty much failed every time. How about you, Tristan? Yeah, actually it was the same for me. Oh, Randy, Randy Quinch Bob. firefighter, yeah. Yeah, fire, uh, fireman and uh, Harry Blair, the two that I most most uh, watched when I tuned in because I, I think around like season 7 through 10 I stopped watching it less and less because it stopped getting, for me anyway it started to stop getting uh, less funny yeah and more stale yeah and, okay now I, I think in my opinion season 7 through 10 while it was trying to recreate things from scratch there were a couple of things that I really wasn't too crazy about like the skits repeating over and over and over again you saw like Harry Blatter you saw you know, know your stars, which is kind of like you have a cast member sitting down and then there's the narrator saying a bunch of lies. You have, um, Sugar and Coffee was a huge recurring skit. Coming back at you is when they added, like, a whole bunch of disgusting ingredients and then spewing it back to the TV with a machine. It kept playing it over and over and over again. And there was no, there was rarely any mixtures of one-off skits. I think that's why for many people, you know, the season started growing a bit stale. And I think that's why ratings started to drop. Even though that I admire what they were trying to do, you know, get new cast members and recreate things from scratch, I guess people just was getting tired of it really quickly. Uh, in my opinion, uh, my favorite skits from the Revival era. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to say that Harry Bladder was a good one because I was such a huge Harry Potter fan. I read through the books in middle school back in 98 and, you know, I was so excited about seeing the first movie with my parents and my sister. And, you know, seeing them joke around was, you know, really hilarious. And all the, you know, it, it even had some little uh, joke references that if you read the books, you would get a kick out of. Um, Bridget's Slumber Party was really great as well. And, and then, of course, another one of my favorites was um, the dictionary one, like Lisa's Dictionary, in which, you know, Lisa would say a word... And then the puppet, would, which was right next to her, would say it in a sentence that would be really insulting. Like, uh, I think one of them was wood, and, you know, the, the sentence was, Your personality is like a block of wood! Oh, ha, 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 ha! And then Lisa was like, Oh, how insulting! And it's like, Oh, yeah? Well, it says you! And it's kind of like similar to Leroy and Fuzz, except in reverse, in which the puppet is actually mean, and then you have the person trying to teach the lesson trying to be all nice and educational. I don't know if that was trying to be like kind of like a joke towards educational programs, but I thought it was pretty funny. And some of my favorite cast members, yeah, I liked Lisa Foyles. I think, in my opinion, she was the most memorable out of the entire cast that ever featured in the Revival era. And Chelsea Brummett was okay, too. I also like Kyle Sullivan and Jack DeSena. 
But then there were a couple of cast members in there that I didn't really care for, like, I'm not a big fan of Little JJ. Season 8 did the Are You All That competition, in which they try to get kids to perform various funny skits online, and whoever they felt that was the funniest would be invited over. And there were two kids who were chosen. Uh, the, the girl that they chose, who was the actual winner, was, you know, pretty, she was okay. She was really young and cute, which is kind of like what I thought what Amanda Bynes was. But then they chose the runner-up, which, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about Ryan Coleman, because he did Ed for the revived Good Burger, and it was so wrong in so many ways. He was trying to be Ed, trying to act like him, and he did a horrible job. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I wasn't a huge fan of Ryan Coleman's take on Ed from Good Burger. I seem to recall that, let's see, there was also, a, I can't think of his last name, Shane something. He kind of looked like a young Chris Farley to me. Oh, yeah, 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 I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah, I think, I, I forget his last name too, but a few years ago, I actually saw him in the Food Network competition. He looks different now. He's really, he's kind of like really skinny. Well, not too skinny, but he was like a little bit buffed up. And he's actually a chef now. Shane Shane Lyons. That's what it is. Yeah, Shane yeah. Lyons. Thank you, John. I only recall like two sketches featuring him. I know he was the bully in in Harry Bladder, and uh, he also had this sketch called Shane versus Things, which basically had him in a karate outfit and just stuff got thrown at him instead. Yeah, that's like true. Shane versus a toilet. A toilet? What the? <laughs> 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 Toilet wins. Flushality. <laughs> I interviewed Brian Hearn a couple of years ago, who was also in the revival era, and one of his most known skits was that he was the crazy taxi driver. He'd pick up um, people driving around the taxi who would be driving crazy, and who would be saying in a funny accent about where they were going. Uh, that was kind of enjoyable as well. And then, oh boy, Jamie Lynn Spears. Everyone's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Including her boyfriend, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, we all know why Jamie Lynn Spears was brought into all that, and why eventually she had her own show, Zoe 101. Because of uh, all the undeniable talent she has? Oh, I wish! <laughs> no, because, believe it or not, she was the younger sister of Britney Spears. And we all know how back then in the 90s and early 2000s, Britney Spears was very popular. I recall her being in a Good Burger sketch once. <laughs> yeah, but I guess if it wasn't a Good Burger sketch, then it must have been the Ryan Coleman Good Burger sketch. Or maybe she was in the 10th anniversary. Which, you know, the 10th anniversary sketch, uh, you know, special. Um, I thought it was okay. There were a couple of skits that were, you know, that they brought back, like Detective Dan and Vital Information. But I felt like there should have been more skits that they could have brought back. But other than that, it was pretty okay. I wasn't a really big fan of the whole Danny Tamborelli um, being caught in, um, in his home and stuck in traffic and then trying to get himself towards the, the stage right before it was too late. I mean, you know, Danny Tamborelli was involved with a lot of great skits and he was a very popular Nickelodeon um, actor. So it would have been nice if maybe it would have been somebody a little bit lesser who would have been doing that. Or maybe they would have cut that whole thing off completely. Yeah, I wonder why they did that. I don't know why. It's, it was a little bit off-putting to me. Maybe he was just really busy and they had to shoot around that. 
that could have been a possibility. I do know that around that time, Danny was, uh, you know, quitting acting temporarily, and he was going to college. So maybe that was the reason why he did it. Mm. That's a shame. Oh, I do remember that at one point during one of the later seasons, they they brought back Kanan for one of the shows, and that was he did amazingly with the new cast and. One sketch that we actually didn't bring up that had him in it from the older days was Miss Piddlin. Oh, Miss Piddlin, yes. I'm Miss Piddlin. I love peas. I don't remember his name, but there was another one of his characters. Yeah, another chef character that was obsessed with chocolate. Randy, yes. Randy and Mandy. Uh, Mandy was played by Angelique Bates, one of the very few characters that Angelique performed as. She actually played Steve Urkel in the pilot, but I think they never brought it up again, which is a shame because it would have been similar to when Katrina played as Ross Perot. Uh, yeah, Randy and Mandy were obsessed with chocolate, and I think that today you could not do that. It'll be like the equivalent of, you know, with Cookie Monster just eating cookies occasionally. Which is a shame, because he's Cookie Monster and he's supposed to eat cookies. I know. Well, that's America for you, trying to be conscious with our weights and, you know, not having diabetes. With all the chocolate that they ate, you know, it's just insane about how everything was made out of chocolate. You had chocolate letters, chocolate utensils, a chocolate jacuzzi, chocolate showers, chocolate breathalyzer, chocolate fire <laughs> extinguisher. Yeah, everything was made of chocolate. And I really like the one time in which um, when Mandy wasn't in because, you know, that was when Angelique Bates' contract ran out and he was looking for a new co-host. Uh, you have Josh Server playing as this uh, chef who's obsessed with vegetables, and then she brings out this organic... Tandy, Tandy yes, Tandy. And then she has the cookbooks, and she's like, I have a cookbook around there. It's called Vegetables and Such. And she brings out the organic celery, and she said, I think you know what to do with this. And then Randy's like, of course I do, and he smacks her on the head with the celery. <laughs> Tosses out the ba uh, basket full of vegetables and just looks at the chocolate with a manic face saying, You're my only friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, so going back into the, um, the revival era, I, I think that with the revival era, there was a couple of good decisions that they made, but then there was a couple of dumb ones, and the one that I really hated the most was the Snick on Air Dare. Ugh... If anybody remembers the Snick on Air Dare, which the two of you, I'm sure, who's listening to this, uh, Lisa Foyles, a couple of all that cast members, and a celebrity of the, uh, who was popular at the time would come along and they would dare people yeah. to do something stupid. One of them involved with eating a gallon of blue cheese or sticking uh, something in the toilet, and oh, it was so embarrassing. For people who complain about Nick Studio 10, well, guess what? Nick Snick on Air Dare kind of did it first. And I think I know why people don't even remember it. Ugh. I don't remember it. Thank you. You see, <laughs> be like John. <laughs> yes, be like John and Tristan. Don't look back on it. It's probably the dumbest thing that they ever try to do to bring back their audience. Anything else we have to discuss about all that before we conclude the podcast? Do you think Nickelodeon could ever bring a show like all that back? Hmm... Well, I did listed that as the top, as one of my top ten shows I would love to see remade. But then Nick Studio 10 and Awesomeness TV happened, and I was like, no. Th it, it can never happen again. I mean, unless there's somebody who's competent enough to kind of like do similar to, um, you know, bringing a Saturday Night Live for our generation, then, you know, with Nickelodeon the way it's running now, then no. 
Uh, I think that back then, you know, in the 90s, when we had more sketch comedy shows than when we do today, the only sketch comedy show that we do kind of have is SNL. And we don't have In Living Color anymore. We, we don't have Kids in the Hall. We don't have Mad. So, um... It would be nice to see if they could bring back all that and maybe have some new kids and some brand new skits, but I think that two things could happen. One, people will be constantly complaining online saying, oh, it's not going to be as good as the original. You know, Nickelodeon's reputation of Nick Studio 10 and Awesomeness TV, which, you know, turned out to be huge disasters. And Awesomeness TV was co-created by Brian Robbins, the same guy who created all that. So, you know, I'm very <clears throat> hesitant at it. That's a shame. Yeah. What about your guys' opinion? Would, would you like to see all that come back for a new generation, or do you think it should just be, you know, no? Yeah, but if, if it was to come back, they would have to um, take it slowly, step by step, from, you know, the writing to the casting, and bring in more funny actors. Yeah, um, I think what, uh, I, we didn't bring this up, but what I really liked about the run of all that was that of the diversity of the cast members. You had cast members who are black, white, Hispanic, um, a very mixture of different shapes and sizes. And with the casting of the kids of Nickelodeon shows, they would all be pretty with blonde hair and nice teeth and all that stuff. So I guess that, you know, it'll be like the Disney Channel in which they try to perfect everything. And, they and, you know, already the cast members would already be famous actors or actresses and there would already be singers. What's, what's good about the original All That is that, you know, while that some of them did have acting experiences, uh, you know, All That was kind of like their first big run into becoming, you know, what they became today, you know, with Keenan becoming a cast member on SNL and, um, you know, various of the cast members would become really popular being singers or they would become actors or actresses or they would be really popular online like Lisa Foyles. Things will be a little bit different than what it, what it was back 20 years ago, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, but I know Keenan was really young when he started out and all that, and uh, and and he later and he went and he later went on to SNL as we all know, and uh, that got me to thinking: what if some of the other SNL members were on all that when they were younger? And that got me thinking of a young Christopher Walken on all that. <laughs> Oh, that would be hilarious. Um, I could imagine Christopher walking on Good Burger. Hey, welcome to <laughs> Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be eight bucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be kind of hilarious. Uh, Taryn Killiam, who, he didn't appear in all that, but he appeared on The Amanda Show. He's also in SNL as well. I think he may still be in SNL. I haven't watched SNL in a while. But, um, yeah, he was also another, uh, you know, Nickelodeon person who also is involved in SNL. I think overall, um, let's just uh, conclude with, um, would you recommend all that to anybody who wants to check it out? Definitely. Yes. I, and you know what? I, I started out to, started out seeing, it kind of goes downhill later on, but, but you know what? I think I just let them decide for themselves if they, if they like, maybe, for all I know, maybe they like, they like the new seasons better than I do, because... All of us who grew up with all that are looking at it a little bit, even if you don't realize it, we're looking at it with with nostalgia goggles to a degree. And uh, even and even though we try to remain objective, and there are a lot of the older sketches that are going to mean more to us than a lot of the newer ones do. And not just because of the quality. Some of them, 
uh, some of the sketches were good. That's just how it happens. Okay. How about the rest of you? Um, I think, yeah. If, like, you want to see how uh, a kid version of SNL was early on, I'd say you could watch, you know, seasons one through maybe halfway through seven, if you know, to get, like, a chuckle out of it still. Other than that, not so much, unless you just want to see its, enti- uh, its entire, entire run in its entirety. Okay. How about you, John? I think um, it'd be good for kids to watch it, uh, at least give it a shot, to be introduced to that kind of comedy. Because sketch comedy isn't very prominent these days, and I think it'd be cool if kids were introduced to it. And, you know, it was brought up as a SNL for kids, and, uh, I don't know, I don't know if kids watch, watch SNL these days, but it's something they can relate to. Yeah, that's true. Um, as for me, I do recommend that you check it out. Some of the skits are a little bit more hit uh, misses than hits. And, um, you know, there are some parts of it which are a bit outdated. But I think that due to the charisma of the cast members and just how um, passionate they are with acting and how good some of the writing was in the uh, early runs and some of the later runs, I think it's good to check out. Uh, of course, you know, there, there are going to be some bumps on the road, but... I think that, you know, it's a lot easier to get into all that as opposed to a sketch comedy show like Out of Control or Roundhouse. And especially Nick Studio 10 and Awesomeness TV. If you want to, you know, see the starting point where a lot of Nickelodeon shows got started, you know, with all the spin-off titles such as The Amanda Show, Drake and Josh, Zoe 101, iCarly, Victorious, and all that stuff, Keenan and Kel. So, yeah, um, I would recommend that you check it out um, just, you know, just to see how a uh, sketch comedy show was, you know, for our generation. Is the All That Family Tree officially dead? I think it is. cancellation of Sam and Cat? I think it is because Henry Danger, as of right now, it doesn't have any of the cast members that were featured on any of those programs. And um, I don't think with Gibby, um, which was supposed to be a second show that they were supposed to be featuring in, I don't think that that's... Um, going to happen either i think that was scrapped as well so i think the all that family tree did pass away with sam and cat which that's a shame because of how disastrous it was it lasted 20 years that's true i think think sam and cat ended because of contract negotiations yeah well there's a lot of rumors of why it ended some people say contract disputes. some people say that Jeanette McCurdy was not happy with pairing up with Ariane Grande some people say that you know Ariane Grande got a lot more money and a lot more popularity because of the singing career there's a lot of debate on why it ended the way it did but you know that's that's for another time that's show business yeah that's show business All right, so that concludes this episode of Casual Chats. Let's do some plug-in promotions. Uh, Eli, why don't we start with you? Um, I guess probably the best thing for me to promote right now would be Red Ribbon Reviewers, which is, uh, if you don't know, it's uh, this event where every year reviewers like me get together in observance of World AIDS Day in December and wear red ribbons in our videos to promote HIV and AIDS because, uh, well, until a true cure is found, we've got to keep promoting it every year. And hopefully, even if someone's not having a good holiday because of it, then we can put all of our content together and hopefully at least give you a good laugh because, let's be honest, that year we've had a lot of people need it. Yeah. So, so uh, if you want that, you can, if you, if you want to become a contributor, you can check it out at redribbonreviewers.wordpress.com. 
that sounds like a great cause. Um, John, how about you? Um, I have a podcast that I do every now and then. It's called Who Loves Orange Podcast, the podcast. And we talk about everything from Nickelodeon to pop culture to what we're doing in our personal lives. And uh, it's connected to uh, what I call for entertainment's sake. It's kind of a website where I try to keep up on it. It doesn't work out that much. But it's kind of a website where I like to bring in different forms of art, writing, music, podcast, sketch comedy on YouTube. Just put it all in one place. Uh, the website is for entsake.wix.com slash jme14. Go ahead and check that out. Okay. Tristan? Uh, well, I have a ton of stuff. You can check out the com or the Patreon page because we have uh, reviews, updates, and podcasts, two of which I'm a co-host, the anime podcast, and Control Breakers. Talk about video games. Also, I have a Let's Play channel with Patricia and some, some other guys that will just play games and commentate and just have a fun time. And right now, it's Disney Month. Check out the first part of Jungle Book, the Jungle Book game by Genesis, played by Patricia, if you guys want to check that out. Oh, yeah. All right. As for me, uh, you can check out my stuff at oldschoollane.blogspot.com or at manicexpression.com. I do podcasts. I do blog reviews. And, um, of course, I do, um, you know, the Let's Play stuff with Tristan. I just started off with Jungle Book. I'm going to be doing one last episode of Nick Jukebox. We'll be featuring the songs that were featured on all that, as well as having one more episode of Casual Chats where I'll be interviewing a very special guest. I'll give you a hint. If you're a huge fan of the JV Club podcast, it is the person who runs it, and we will be having that person on... Um, hopefully it'll be up either by the end of the year or sometime next year, so stay tuned for that. So yeah, that concludes this episode of Casual Chats. Uh, guys, thanks again for coming on by. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. No problem. Yep. And that concludes this episode of Casual Chats, and we will hope to catch you in 2015. So, see you later. Bye. Who loves us? Kill or George Soda. <laughs> <laughs>